Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Well, I have got to put my hands in the air and share that I got so drunk on Saturday night and thought it would be a really good idea to invite people back to my house where my kids are asleep upstairs and have a house party. Oh my God. Who do I think I am? You need to grow up. (laughs) I do not need to grow up. You take that back. I love saying that to people. It was so funny because um, I thought I'd, I thought that I'd asked everyone to leave at one. And I said, because Doz is not drinking at the moment. He's being amazing. He's now, what is he, kind of 35 days or something into it? But obviously, I'm ignoring that. And so he went to bed at 11.30 and he was like, oh, what time did you come up? And I was like, oh, I think it was about one. And then I looked back at the camera, the ring camera thing that we've got outside. And it was 2.30 oh. when I was telling everyone to leave. <gasps> Grim. You you have done a lot of socialising this weekend. I think three times. Yeah, I, I I think that's your lot now. Hundred percent. It's I'm gotta be it. until like what? April, May. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Okay. Let's see how that goes. How was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. Not as, as social as yours. Just like just chilled actually. Oh, do you know what? This is a complete curveball in this lovely, lighthearted Go conversation. Because actually something happened yesterday. And it really shook us all up. So we were on the motorway and this guy was in the fast lane and he went straight into the concrete bit in the middle. So (gasps) he, I don't know if he fell asleep, what happened, but he went straight into it and his tyre completely burst. We were two cars behind. His tyre completely burst and he went all the way across, like all the lanes. This is on the M25, so I don't know how many lanes there are. But oh my there's God, a that's lot. the crash. That's the crash that closed it. Re- I don't know. I heard about I it on the radio. I don't know. Yes. But anyway, so we were just a couple of cars back, and he, but he didn't crash into anybody else, and I don't know oh how. God, I really don't know how. Anyway, so we pulled over because Jay's was like, oh, we need to see if he's all right. But there was no hard shoulder, so we were like pulled over on just these like zigzag things. Anyway, he was all right. I mean, he had blood pouring out of his head and 
it was just not very nice. The kids are obviously petrified, but oh my god, George. it was really awful. I mean, we've all been there when the kids, you know, you're driving along and the kids take their belt off of their car and try and get out of their car seat. Gigi does it. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's freaking scary. Yeah. You know, you just think, oh, like it's you know, it'll be fine. Just get back in your seat, like all that kind of stuff. But anyway, yesterday that happened and I was like no well do you know what I haven't shared this on the podcast yet but my mum and her partner had a really bad car crash in Kenya two weeks ago and had they not been wearing their seatbelts or the airbags had gone off I don't know what sort of chat we'd be having today the whole of the front of the car was crushed they also hit a piece of coral and the tire blew exactly the same (gasps) as what you're describing and then they ricocheted off and smashed into a concrete pylon and i mean the photographs tim lost two teeth (gasps) black eye my mum got loads of cuts like it was a bad one so me me the same as you actually feeling like the car safety thing even though you might get a bit flippant and be like oh it's all right you know you know not take it that seriously i don't know like we absolutely have to yeah i know like you 100 percent yeah i know well a lesson learned and i'm glad he was all right i know but yeah, yeah i mean they're now screaming like i keep seeing the man with blood coming out of his head in my head oh my <laughs> you know God, and you're like George. Oh, yeah, scarred oh, for life. No, they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll anyway. be fine. And thank God, thank God it was all all right. But yeah, very, very scary yes. experience. But the rest of the weekend, not as scary no, as that. the rest of the weekend was lovely. And we just did just normal stuff like football, ballet, went out for lunch with James's family. Like just not like very chilled, nice lovely weekend no dramas love that other than that we've got into obviously our bike riding as a family now and we did another 10k on sunday oh, afternoon lovely <laughs> it's just so impressed it's with nice them you know what we're going on the roads and everything did you Ooh, hear that? that that was my apple watch yeah it said it's oh. nice to be appreciated well stop trying to steal my thunder Sorry. i'm telling my really interesting I think story it was about talking our bike ride. to you <laughs> that is so weird we need to get into the podcast because we had a really, really amazing, but a long conversation mm. with today's guest because there was so much to talk to her about. And it was our first session back in the studio, as in, you know, looking in the whites of our guests' eyes and really kind of finding out what was going on in their life and what a beautiful chat we had. Um, I've known um, today's guest for a very long time, since so she was about 18. So literally just when she went into Taui. And since then, she's had the most incredible career is a single parent. We talked about that, didn't we? We did. We talked about lots of stuff, her upbringing, like her hopes for the future. We touched on Tawi. We touched, I mean, there's a funny story that you brought up about meeting a pig in her kitchen while you were getting ready for, was it for the BAFTAs or what was it for? For the the Brits. Brits, which Which was good. But you know what? It was such a great chat and she really was just wonderful, wonderful. Oh my God, why does it keep talking to me? I need to put this under a pillow. What? Why do you keep talking to me? <laughs> Georgia, who are we talking to today? Not your We're Apple not Watch. We're talking to my Apple Watch. We're talking to Lydia Bright. So today's guest burst onto our screens in Towie when she was just, I'm going to say 18 or 19 years old, uh, making us laugh with her hilarious personality and warm nature. Uh, she's gone on to be an influencer, an author, uh, a dab hand at DIY from her Instagram and the most <laughs> incredible mum to Loretta. Please welcome a very old friend of mine and someone who I love very much, Lydia Bright to the hey, podcast. Yay. What an introduction. We Hi. have been excited for this one, really excited for this one. But before we get into it, because we've got loads to ask you, how are you? How's your morning been? What's it been like? It's been good. So I woke up this morning at 6am. I'm still, uh, this is ridiculous because I got back from Australia two weeks ago, but I'm still waking up 
earlier and going to sleep really early. Right. Um, so, yeah, maybe 5.36 I woke up, did my laundry, unloaded my dishwasher, got my kid ready for school, went to the chiropractor, and then here I am. <laughs> That's a sign of, that is a mother, isn't yeah. it? Because if I'm not trying to be kind of gender skewed here, but if you'd say to... to Fuck men. Yeah. What have you done? They just go, oh, I just got up, had a shower, came in. And it's like, yeah. done laundry, I've done cleaning, I've cleaned up the kitchen. It's like, I've done a we full do day. It? Yeah. <laughs> You've done it all. <laughs> Talking of Sydney and your holiday, how was it uh, travelling 22 hours with a three-year-old? So I was nervous because Loretta has done like long distance already, um, but it was my first solo flight with her. So we've tra- I've travelled before like 24 hours, but I've been with my full family. So I've had yeah. like a squad to tag team with but this was my first solo flight and I thought way to throw myself in at the deep end but gonna be completely honest it was absolutely fine yes I mean it's a little bit of a concern but basically I was exhausted from Christmas because you know it's like wrapping up work I was going away for two weeks, so everything was being squeezed in. I also hosted this year for Christmas for 18 people. Oh, God. So we flew on Boxing Day, or was it the 27th? One of those days. So I was absolutely exhausted. So I remember when I got on the flight and we had like 4 a.m. start, I said to the stranger sitting next to us, I'm really paranoid that I'm going to fall asleep on this flight and my child is just going to start like walking around the cabin but I'm so tired and he was just like you'll be fine and I fell asleep woke up we were doing a stopover there was one hour left on the flight I'd slept for five hours (gasps) and I said to the guy I went has she been okay and he went yeah fine I went has she slept and he said no just been on our iPad (laughs) done a sticker book I got her a meal I slept for five hours. Oh, my my God. God. And I was just going to say, how was it okay and why was it okay? But now you've completely... So, basically, the tip is get on the flight tired, fall asleep... And leave your child to a stranger. And leave your child. Make sure they've got an iPad. (laughs) I mean, really... They can't go anywhere. True. Yeah, but it's still a little bit We've seen snakes on a plane, guys. Oh, no. No. Somewhere. (laughs) So, yeah, that was the first leg of the flight. And then the second leg of the flight, she was knocked out cold. So, actually, it was the dream. That is an incredible bit of parenting advice. Yeah. I just, I mean, I mean, I probably, I probably wouldn't say it's advice. So I think maybe it wasn't well, the wisest of decisions. But I just, I couldn't control myself. There is that feeling though when you do fall asleep and you, you wake up and you're like, where are my children? Like yeah. sometimes my kids always wake me up, so I never really have that luxury. Like every morning, mummy, at five forty-five, I'm like, fuck you, tiny humans. <laughs> but sometimes if the, if Isla's there, they will get up and go downstairs by themselves. Now Georgia's used to this because Axel, yeah, Prince yeah. Axel's been doing this for a long time. My kids just don't do it. But then the other, I woke up. It was ten past seven, and I was like, <gasps> and then I was like, where yeah, are they? Do have and they that just weird. got. They were just sitting downstairs they were eating their breakfast in front they'd turn the telly on there and I was like oh my god this is a snippet into my future life oh my gosh yeah no Loretta doesn't do that no usually. well she's three because we co-sleep as well so normally I get that whole morning mummy <laughs> oh do oh. so you go to bed early. at the same time no or at the moment do you so what I do is I put Loretta to bed she normally goes between seven and eight so when I gave birth to Loretta, this was a really good habit that I picked up from having a child is I really got into reading because obviously I can't sit on my phone and like scroll on Instagram yep. um, because she would be watching it. So I started reading. So I go to bed, do her like bed like book and bedtime talks and whatever. She goes to sleep. I read my book until she falls asleep. Once she's fallen asleep, I 
hold my breath and I slug out of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> trying not to make any movement, any noise. Keeping in mind that I live in like an 18th century house that creaks, that every floorboard creaks. I have to like <gasps> suck in, creep out of the it's Mission Impossible. <laughs> no, it is. Dun, 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 it dun. is. Because if she clocks, she'll sit straight up. Um, then I go downstairs and then I'll have like the evening for myself a little bit and then I'll go back up. And then she normally wakes me up in the morning. Sometimes I wake up before and the same sort of thing. I have to slug out of the bed and go downstairs and get on with things. Now, before we talk to you about, you know, current things with Loretta and yes. your life as mum, take us back to your childhood because yes. I know your mum and dad. I've been to your house. <laughs> we've it had is... your mum on the podcast. Yeah, we've had yeah, your mum. Yeah, yeah. She's been, been before me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Years ago. <laughs> and I know what a magical place that is, but try and put it into words for us what it was like growing up in the uh, in, in the household. In the bright household. Yeah. Okay, so I would say that my parents are slightly eccentric. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely not your box standard family. We're not the box standard family. So my parents fostered. Um, my mum became a foster carer when I was, I think, 13 months. She had two children very close in age. So me and my eldest sister, there's only 13 months between us. Um, and she just decided that she needed like a complete career change because she was in fashion and she was like, I, I can't be traveling and doing all these long hours and I you know putting my both my kids through childcare I don't even think childcare was a big thing back then yeah um so she then decided to become a foster carer and I think it was just supposed to be like a short-term thing whilst me and Georgia were growing up before we went to school and then she fell in love with it so my household and my family life was always full of Usually, on average, there was about six of us. Um, mm. Sometimes there was more. Um, so it was a very chaotic but loving, crazy <laughs> family. And my parents in general as well, they're just very, yeah, like eccentric people. They're very loud. They're just, yeah, they're full of energy. Our house was just very, like, it was just always like this open house. There was always people in and out of it. Um, uh, and can we talk about the uh, the, the the pig? Because oh, I yeah. came to your house, right, set the scene. We're getting ready to do our <laughs> big red carpet out the Brits. I come around to Lid's house to get ready. And I'm like, walk, beautiful house, walk in. And I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds like there's a pig in the kitchen. Inside. Tell us the rest yeah. of the story. <laughs> okay, so as well as the usual, like, six children, my parents have always been massively into pets. Do you know what it is? They just love saving things, right? Like, everything. Like, even, like, the house, for example. The house is, like, full of things that they've salvaged off skip and like the house is just chaos like there's one kitchen door that's like art deco and the other one is like super modern and sleek where they just like salvage things so they're also into like rehoming animals so usually on top of the six children there was like three dogs like we'd have like guinea pigs rabbits and at one stage we also had a pig that actually was my fault though <laughs> that was at my parents I got the pig, which was supposed to be a micro pig, pig yeah. which don't exist, FYI. They're, they're, that's a, a fake thing. They're right. not, there's no such thing as micro pigs. Pigs never stay that small. Um, it's just a, a <laughs> So it's just like a sales tactic the sales for tactic people back then. For people to get yeah. cons. And Arj love him to bits. He's a very easy person <laughs> to get cons. He went to a farm. They said that they were these micro pigs, this litter of micro pigs. He was like, yeah, 
brilliant, I'll get her one. The pig grew into a walrus. It was so fucking big. Huge. It was in the kitchen, like... Yeah. And we were trying to get ready for the Brits, and I was like... And Lids was like, it's all right, you can stroke it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, oh, it tusks, that's how it's big a, it got. Yeah. I, I don't know. And what it was say. really aggressive as well because you have to get if you're going to get ki- uh, pigs castrated. It was a it was a man, Mister Darcy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Mister Darcy. Mister Darcy. <laughs> if you're going to get them castrated, which you should do to avoid the extra testosterone and the yeah. aggress- aggression and stuff, you have to do it within the first six months. Or we discovered this at like seven eight months. So um, he used to just charge. Mm. And he'd like have sex with the space hoppers outside. He used to try and mount our West Highland Terriers. Oh my God. (laughs) He nearly killed poor Trevor, my West Highland Terrier, who was literally like 15, 16. But I love that there's all that chaos going on. And most people, I mean, if that was me, I'd be like, get this pig out. But you don't. You just keep keep them. He used to to charge for the fridge. Mr. Darcy. Oh, yeah, he'd charge for everything. So he did get put, he did actually get moved and he moved to a petting farm. He's gone now, God bless his soul. But he went to a petting farm and we knew that we'd made the right decision when two weeks into living at the petting farm, we got a call from the farmer that said that he killed a duck. A duck had (laughs) flown. I'm not lying. A duck had had flown from its pen into his... (laughs) into his area and he decapitated it. Wow. That could have been Trevor. That could, that could have been anyone. So yeah. that could have been you when you went into, just that thought you were going you to the Brits the ready to, for the red carpet. It's not very sense and sensibility, <laughs> is it, old Mr Darcy? <laughs> that sounds cra- like crazy, like you say. Did you, you know, when you were a child or a teenager, would you go to friends' houses and be like, Whoa, this is quiet and yes. different. Yes. Did you like it? Um, I just it wasn't even going to friends' houses, it was even just seeing my friends' mums in the playground because my mum as well, where she was in fashion, she was very eccentric as well. So I remember like the mums would turn up at the school gates and they'd just be wearing like their Marks and Spencers, like pleated trousers and like a white shirt mm. and a, like cashmere coat. And my mum would turn up and she'd be wearing a sari and clogs with bells on them and like her big wild hair. <laughs> So, yeah, I just always knew that I was from a nutty family, basically. But I think when you're younger... When you're younger, you're more you kind of want to blend in yeah, with yeah. with in the background, don't you? And you're, I mean, I, I actually, surprisingly enough, I was quite shy as a child, so I feel like I always used to be a bit like embarrassed, like oh gosh, we're such a like loud nutty family. But then as I've got older, I'm so grateful. Like yeah. everyone in our area knows my mum and dad. Like they're like they're infamous just because of. Mm-hmm their crazy personalities. One thing that really stood out to me was seeing how much they love each other. Yeah. Your parents are really in love. Yeah. So what was that like watching as a kid and how has that impacted you as an adult? I think they've set the bar too high. I think they have. We're all single. their fault. All of their daughters, bar Ellie, are single. I think they set the bar too high. My parents are actually like childhood sweethearts, really. They got together, I think, when my mum was 18 and my dad was 21. Um, So, yeah, they've been together forever. But they are in love, but they're very open about, like, their ups and downs and they're very open about, you know, that it hasn't always been roses, but they've fought through them. And um, I think that maybe, yeah, that's like a... That's something that 
will try and take on board in the next (laughs) relationship but like you have to like fight through things although they are in love you know Mm. they do bicker and they and they have gone through their hard times they're also very like unconventional in their relationship like to the point that they only got married five years ago they've been together all those years they're they're very much like you know when you meet the person write your own rules like do it how you want to do it like my mum was 30 when she had her first child which back then was yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, was they, old yeah. you know and she was what would she have been then 58 when she got married you know she didn't do things the traditional way but it worked because look at them they're still together did you want to replicate that family life yeah. for yourself? Oh, definitely. Like, family, for me, is the most important thing in life. Like, I've always been very ambitious and always wanted to succeed in so many ways in my life, but the ultimate number one thing that I want in life is a big family. Like, that would be my biggest achievement. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I've got one child at the moment, but the end goal would be yeah to have lo- like loads of children because my family we're just such a I've seen and grown up in the beauty of having a big family. We're such a tight knit network, and family is so important in every aspect of my life. Um, and we're so close, and we're with each other like constantly. I mean, it's maybe a little bit too intense sometimes, but <laughs> but we are like just this like really tight-knit family and that's something that I want for Loretta and something that I want for me as well. How many foster siblings have you had? I don't know I feel like my mum's lost count over the years but she's like we're definitely like hundreds like maybe even yeah like probably close to 200 because my parents when I was younger as well they used to do a thing called emergency out of hours so my parents were sort of the middle carer um, before a child would be placed into foster care Mm -hmm. so sometimes we'd have children for like one night so um, that really like racked up the numbers and then what my parents do now as well although they have their own foster placements where they have been foster carers for so long they're also called mockingbird foster carers which means that they're the support system for like 10 or 15 foster carers in our borough um so if they need respite from the children if they've got weddings or or they've got weekends away or anything or they're the kids are just playing up and they just need a little bit of help my parents will step in so like now we we have like a lot of other children come in just for weekends as well there's been a lot over the years did you have do you have any like micro resentments towards your parents growing up about the fact that there were all these other children in your house? Because I only have to look at when Isla, you know, she's with us week on, week off. When she yeah. comes back yeah. and she I know, we've spoken about it, that she feels an element of like, well, Luna and Kit have had Dozers their daddy's attention throughout the whole time and there you can see there's a tussle going on between them. And it's only, yeah. you know, they're, sib- they're siblings. So how did you feel about the fact that there were these other kids coming into the house, kind of taking away your parents? Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, when I was younger, oh my gosh, I used to go through times where I'd shout and go, I just want to be an only child. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my mum actually says, she always speaks about this, that once she was really upset because she went into school and there was all like our work on the wall and there was like a uh, a wall that was dedicated to like what we wish for. So like kids would be like, I wish there was no wars and 
no famine. Right, yeah. And mine was, I wish I was no <laughs> child. And my mum was absolutely <laughs> devastated. So, look, I definitely went through those times. I was very, very lucky that I was so close to my maternal uh, grandma and grandfather. Okay. Um, so they were sort of like my like hotel when I needed to check out right. because the house was always heaving and it was always so busy because as well as the children, my mum used to facilitate contact with their families and stuff. There was always just people in and out of our household. Um, and my nan and granddad were always really good, like, if ever I needed yeah. time out. And I used to spend a lot of time with them as well, naturally. Like, it was mm-hmm. just a weekly thing that I always went and spent, like, probably most weekends I ended up spending with my grandparents um, just because we just had this really, like, lovely bond. And that's what um, you called Loretta Loretta, right? Yes. Oh. We'll come yeah. on to that. Yeah. I can so, imagine as a teenager that could have been tough. Yeah. You know, those times when you feel like you need your mum, yeah. like, in particular as a girl? I think it was more, to be honest, for me, I think it was more when I was that little bit younger because it was, like, that shared, sharing my mum, my mum being spread thin. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying my mum more so because my dad actually did work full-time as well my dad's like in the building so my mum was like the the biggest like parenter um when like before teenage years um and yeah her being spread thin so I think that yeah I struggled with it at times um during those moments but then look I think that I always say for every negative that came from it, there's so many positives. And, you know, on the flip side, you know, I never had any of those feelings of ever feeling lonely. There was always excitement. There was always something going on. um, And that probably counteracts Mm. that part. You know, like poor Loretta sometimes, like she's like off playing by herself. She's like, mummy, mummy, play play with me. And I think, oh, that Mm. like, that pangs at me sometimes. I'm like, oh. I don't want to be a cat again. She's got... (laughs) I don't want to play Play-Doh for the 50th time. (laughs) Role play. Oh, my God. Let's do role play. How about no? I know, and I think... Let's play... Let's do role play. We're in a spa. You're the beautician. (laughs) This is what I play. Massage. And then I sit there and I'm like, this is the role play. Yeah, but it lasts 30 seconds. It lasts 30 seconds, doesn't it? I know. So, like, sometimes I sit and I think, oh, I I never had that growing up. There was always someone to Mm. play with. Mm. So, yeah, like, look, there, there were... They're like, I'm not sugarcoating it. Of course, there were tough times. Like, take the fostering out of the equation. Like, there is tough times growing up in a big family anyway, whether they're foster siblings or biological siblings. It's always going to be tough fighting for attention when there's six children. But I also feel like there's there's just so many positives that outweigh that. Yeah, and it, yeah. God, knowing you the way that I do and your amazing ability to have endless energy, love, support <laughs> in a really non-judgmental way, maybe that has come from the fact that you've had to be so malleable as yeah. a kid with lots of other kids coming in. Maybe. Yeah. It was like, speak up or you're not going to get heard. So yeah. I feel like <laughs> uh, the reason I'm talking so much is because I had to. Otherwise no one would hear me. <laughs> would you ever foster? Yeah. Do you know what? It's, I, I get asked that so much and it's definitely something that I would consider but I think with me where I'm in this world at the moment where I'm like super busy and you know doing all the influencing and the book stuff and I'm you know busy with all of that I know how demanding it is when you become a foster carer it isn't just becoming a parent you also have to facilitate yeah contact you also have to do a lot of training um 
like alongside it, it's a, it is a full time job, and I mean, I have not a lot of time yeah. now anyway. Yeah. So it would be more if I decided like. I don't want to do what I'm doing at the moment. And if I wanted a career change later on down the line yeah. or things just dried up for me, I always say. <laughs> I always used to say when I was younger, like whenever jobs come up, I'd be like, no, I've got to take it because you never know when it's going to dry up. And obviously I'm now like, what, like 15 years maybe yeah. down the line. And I'm still so busy doing like all of this media stuff. Um, but, you know, if it ever dried up for me, then yeah, that would be something that will probably be like top of the list in terms of like... A career Another change. Career. Yeah. 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 Now, now, fast forward um, a certain period of time, and yes. it's time for uh, you to enter one of the biggest TV shows yes. that has ever graced our screens. I'm throwing yeah, it out it there. Yeah. Howie, how does a shy girl who's got a foster family, <laughs> yeah, um, and, and is living that crazy life, uh, be, be, like turn up in Zowie? So I was 18. I'd just finished doing my A-levels. I'd gone on my first girls' holiday to Marbella, of course. <laughs> and I was like, I want to do a season out here. Before, I basically had deferred a place at university. And I was like, I want to do a season out here. I just want to have fun. Blah, blah, blah. I was always really into my studies and I gave it like so much energy. And I was like, I don't want to then just go and studying again. I just want some time out. So um did a couple of dead-end jobs and then went to um, Spain to work. At the time, all of this was happening, all these, like, auditions and stuff was happening back home. Um, I was in Spain with Arj, my boyfriend at the time. Your childhood sweetheart. <laughs> my childhood sweetheart. Yeah, I was with him at the time. Um, we broke up, so I think that was probably breakup 20 out of 5,000. <laughs> um, he flew back to the UK. Um, some of his friends were on the show. He ended up going on the show, ended up talking about me loads like off camera, and they were like, I feel like we need to get this girl on the show because James was becoming like a bit of a mm. family favourite. Um, and they were like, you know, I feel like we... So they flew out to Spain um, interviewed me and were like, probably, I can't even remember, but maybe like a couple of days later, they were like, right, we want you on the show. And I was like skin 18-year-old. I'd already missed a flight, like my flight home. It was the end of the season. I'd already missed my flight because I was out partying. <laughs> so I'd already wasted all that money on a flight and had no like, no money for my next flight. Um, so they were like, we'll fly you home and, you know, you can film if it's a bit of you, then, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see where it takes you. So I was like, okay. My mum's always been one of them pe people, like, grab every opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You never know where it. it's going to... Yeah, and, like, just go for it. Like, life's too short. So I was like, fine. So I came home, did it. Um, absolutely hated from the first episode that I did. You were. No, I was, because everyone fell in love with Arj, because they'd got to know him. I came right at the end of the episode, um, sorry, the series, and then I came in and was like, no, I don't want to be with you. I remember it, yeah. I remember it. And I remember, I do actually th remember thinking, oh, go on, he's so nice. And everyone was like, what a horrible girl <laughs> not giving this lovely boy a chance. Um, yeah, then the rest is history. Then I just did it for, yeah, all those years Such later. How many years was it? Ten? No, I think that I did it for, I don't know, actually. I think I actually permanently came out of TOWIE when I was maybe like 24 maybe 25, um, but I had a break in between. Right. So maybe I did it for six years, maybe, because, um, yeah, I think I had a year out at some point. Um, but, yeah, it show. was... Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. did. I did. Yeah, it was just like... 
just the craziest thing. Like, it happened for all of us, like, overnight. At the time, there was no reality TV in the UK, really. We were, like, the first structured reality show in the UK. I think they kind of, like... Scripted reality, wasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. They called it, yeah, like, structured reality because there wasn't, like, a script as such. Mm. Like, they never gave us words, but there was a structure to how everything was going to pan out. Um, And they'd, like, set set scenarios up so of course like we all lived so like loads of us lived really far away from each other and people like can't believe they just bump into each other like they (laughs) they broke up yesterday and they've bumped into each other the next day you're right they set that up (laughs) yeah yeah everyone always used to say you're right you're right you're right yeah you're okay (laughs) so uh happy memories then yeah Yeah. oh my gosh like I wouldn't have achieved half of what I've achieved and been half of the places that I would have been had it not been for Towie. Like, I'm so grateful. I never, ever dreamt of becoming famous. It weren't, like, anything that I ever really wanted to do. It was just an opportunity that came about and I went for it. Um, but, um, yeah, like, I'm so grateful. I don't know what I would be doing had I not have done it. And the opportunities and the experiences that came off of it were just, like, amazing. Of course, there was some tough times, like naturally you know it's quite hard like as a teenager like living your life like living your relationship and there's like three million people sitting there scrutinizing it and giving you opinions on every decision that you make like that that part was a tough part but like everything else that yeah like came off of it like the excitement of doing like the photo shoots and doing the tv campaigns and getting to travel and you know like the show was big in all these other countries as well and it was just like yeah, it was massive crazy yeah. like it's it finding... time of life wasn't it it was yeah. i don't absolutely we'll be right back after this short break hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Talk to us about when you decided to become a mum. Like, was that a conscious decision? Was it something you you obviously said you always wanted a family? Always, yeah. I always, always wanted to be a mum. And had it have not been for Towie, I think that I would have been a mum a lot younger. Because I always, yeah, that was like my biggest thing. I always wanted to be a mum. And then I think where life was so busy and you know filming was so full on and there was so many things like going on it just 
obviously was never really the right timing. But yeah, when I decided that I was going to have Loretta, so me and Loretta's dad were together for, I think we were together for two years when we were having the discussions of having Loretta. Um, And yeah, it just felt like the right time. I think I was... 28 I think when I had Loretta or 28 when I fell pregnant Mm. yeah I think I was about 28 when I fell pregnant Um, and for me I felt like I'd done everything that I felt like I wanted to do I'd got all of those things out of the way you know I'd done the girls holidays and I felt like I'd got everything out of my system that Mm. I don't get me wrong I'm still doing the girls holidays (laughs) but you know like you I felt like I had to get like all of that like young years out and I just felt like I was in that that position yeah Yeah, Yeah. I was in the position I was ready for that next step so um yeah it just felt like the right time and you know I felt settled in a relationship obviously then life threw me a massive curveball and threw me completely off track because you know then when I was 12 weeks pregnant it wasn't the right timing because then I wasn't in this like loving relationship um how was that for you um do you know what it was I think that it was it was that whole you know putting that pressure on myself that like and like we all do, that life was going to be a certain yeah. way. And, you know, I felt like I'd done it the right way. Like like I said, I'd got all the partying. I was at that age where I wanted to settle when we were living together and we were buying a house together. It just felt like it was all the right way. And then all of a sudden it was like this unexpected, you know, throwing me completely off path. And I just felt like devastated as well. And I was just like lost. I was really, really lost. Um and just like questioning things and like you can't help but feel a little bit of a failure. Like you can't help it. Yeah. Um, you, was that because you were worried about what other people were going to think? Massively. Were you? Yes. And I think that that's something that changes when you become a mother. Mm. I think before I had Loretta, I was so conscious all the time and maybe as well because of what I'd done in my life being on reality TV. My life was always being picked apart um I think that I was just yes yeah, so conscious of like people's judgments yeah. and like probably if I admit to myself maybe I had a little bit of a stereotype of like single mums you know maybe that was something that I had as well and I was thinking oh my gosh like people are going to think negatively about me That's so um, interesting yeah, yeah I really I really I really did worry massively about what people were thinking you know my mum was always I think because of my mum's career and my mum's like the most open-minded um like supportive supportive woman and you know she's she was like you know no bad is ever going to come from having a baby and she's always lived by that like like ethos like all of the babies that come into like care you know maybe they've come from really horrific circumstances I'm not saying that my circumstances was horrific there's there's a million people mm-hmm. that it's worse scenarios um and every child is a blessing and every yeah. child brings joy and my mum was like you wait this doesn't matter all of these worries and concerns that you have and all of this sadness that you have when 
this baby comes, none of that will matter. What were your main concerns? Like, what were your main concerns, the things that you'd be thinking about? Like, Yeah, I think that my main concerns would be people's judgments, people thinking that, you know, I wasn't doing it like the fairy tale way. And uh, right. I was thinking a lot of people might still have that old school mentality that, you know, you ha- like you should be having a child with a two parent family and that's the right upbringing for a child. And I don't know why I condition myself to think these things well, because I've grown people... up in yeah. Yeah. that that fact but I just I don't know there was just I think that maybe because I wasn't in the best place mentally anyway I then was just grabbing onto these little anecdotes yeah. and 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 things like you know I was like just thinking that people were going to judge me for that and also as well I just think that I it was my life was just thrown off track. I think when you're, when you think your life's going to go a certain way and then you're just, you know, thrown off track, it was just... Yeah, when it doesn't look like how you planned. Were you scared? Yeah, and I just think that I was... I was heartbroken as well. I was heartbroken basically my whole pregnancy. And I think that that, like just being in that mindset, you know, like that's, Mm. it just, yeah, it just, it it wasn't a magical pregnancy. A hundred percent it wasn't. And was it a magical birth? And I had the most magical birth. Because I've never heard you speak about your birth. Oh my gosh. I think that Jesus was looking down at me and just thought, she's gone through it. Right. (laughs) She needs a bit of luck. So I am going to give her a nice labour because I had the most magical birthing experience. I honestly... Tell us. I don't even think it... I didn't didn't feel like it was even that painful. Sorry if yours was really painful, but... I gave birth in the water. I just had gas and air. I had no tearing, no split. I gave birth. I think I was in active labour for three or four hours. Um, I mean, I thought I was having Braxton Hicks and I called my midwife and I just said, I'm pretty sure I'm having Braxton Hicks, but I'm due like next week. So maybe would you mind coming over and checking? Um, And she came and checked and she was like, you're five centimetres dilated. We need to get you to hospital. What an amazing, amazing positive birth story that is. It was amazing. So I absolutely loved the giving birth and I can't wait to do it again. Did you prep for it? Like, um, yeah, I, well, I did hit my birth in and I didn't like my perineal massage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't yeah, love that. Okay. Yeah, I know. Well, I had to do my myself, so. So <laughs> I think I pulled my sister into it a few times and she was like, you are so lucky to have me. I never had a partner to do it. So I was like, George, I'm struggling. Can you, like, just try for me? And she was like, oh. <laughs> That's sisterly love. Oh, my gosh. When that I was having is. my contractions, my sister, in between contractions, my sister was shaving my vagina. What? Yeah, because again, it was like, and I was like, I don't want to go into labour. Like, I don't want to go into labour like, and not be like prepped down there. I don't know why this was. Isn't biggest, that no, bad? No, we yeah, hear that a we lot. We did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we hear it a lot. I, I, now I look back, I'm like, that is wild. I had my yeah. hair in rollers. When I was like on my way to the hospital, <laughs> I took them out. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you're you were worse than yeah. me. But first, like first time round, I did all of that, and then second time round, I don't think I really cared that I didn't really care. But now I look back, why was that a thing? Oh, I, I kept telling I my. I thought was going to happen. I kept telling my, my midwife. Oh, I normally have my legs waxed. Um, yeah. I'm sorry if they're a bit. And she was like, I literally, don't give <laughs> yeah. two shit. Yeah. Why do we do that? We're so vain, aren't we? We want the perfect vagina at the yeah. time, don't we? And then we realise afterwards. Mm, might yeah, never I, look the same again. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know why. Who was I... in the room? So, and I think maybe that was why I wanted to have my vagina shaped as well, because I knew that I was going to see her dad. And I was thinking, you know, like, yeah. maybe I was still a little bit heartbroken and stuff. And I was thinking, I don't want to turn up with a bush. <laughs> It's the 70s, man. He hasn't seen it for a while. Um, so, um, yeah, there was uh, my the two midwives, my mum and Loretta's dad. So I was very lucky that I gave birth to Loretta two weeks before lockdown, which meant that I could have two birthing partners because I know a lot of people yep. with yeah. kids similar age to Loretta, they could only have one because that would have been like so hard because of obviously I would have wanted my mum, yeah. no offence to Loretta's dad, but over Loretta's dad because like... You were together. Yeah, we yeah. weren't together and I needed her support. But equally, I felt like I couldn't not have my daughter's dad in, yeah. the, in there. To be honest, he was actually amazing and really was like, incredible in the birth like we, everything got put aside do you know what I mean he was like in there rubbing the yeah. back and whatever so yeah I was lucky that I managed to have both of them and then she came out and I remember they put her on me and where I was in the water it was like I pulled her out of the water and like put her on me and I couldn't see her so my mum and like Loretta Stabley was like looking and stuff like that. and I went who does she look like and Loretta's <laughs> dad went oh, she looks exactly like me and I went Oh! <laughs> and she does. And she does. She's one hundred percent her dad. Even her toes are like her dad. She hasn't even got an earlobe that's like me. She is Lee's absolute clone. But it doesn't matter because she's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, she's perfect. But she, yeah, she is her dad's through and through. How was your mental health after giving birth? Um, it's it's uh, as like cliche as it sounds. I. The minute that Loretta was born, nothing else mattered. And I just was like so in love and so, you know, in awe of her that, yeah, I think it, all of the like sadness, all of that loneliness, like that just went like in an instant because wow. of, you know, that was the biggest thing when I was pregnant, like the sadness and the loneliness. And I think all the other intrusive thoughts came because of that. And when I gave birth to her, like, Oh my gosh, like that was it. Like yeah. all the loneliness. You're not all lonely the, anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you don't have a second to be lonely. Yeah. And it just everything I just felt like, oh my god, it was it was the everything in life happens for a reason. This was always meant to be. Mm. Um yeah. Would you do you call yourself a single parent? Yes, I do call myself a single parent. Um, you know, Loretta lives like exclusively with me. I think her dad will happily like accept that like you know I make like all the parenting choices and he appreciate obviously like I involve him but he appreciates that I make yeah. Yeah. like I make them like the majority of the choices um yeah I would class myself as a single mum but then sometimes I doubt myself of even saying that because I do have such a yeah. great support system yep. in the sense of my family but ultimately the, the parenting decisions are made by you yeah and, and she so lives with me she lives with yeah. you yeah and and Tell us the, the the best bits about seeing, being a single parent and tell us yes. the hardest parts. Yeah, I would say the best part of being a single mum is just that bond. And I think especially because I did have Loretta during lockdown, you know, me and Loretta were like locked down together, like in this like newborn bubble there was no, like, leaving the house for work. I still was working. I went back to work when she was, like, young. Um, but it was just me and her in that house. Um, 
for I mean on and off for like what was it like 18 months two years yeah Yeah, like obviously there was parts and I ended up seeing my family because you could then do the bubbles like single mums could then or single parents could then do bubbles but really it was me and Loretta in that house like pretty much like 80% of the time for that whole lockdown and I think that that bond that we created because it was just us two all of those like milestones and like special moments like first time walking first time talking team all of those memories were just exclusive to us like it was just us two like having that magic together um and I just think yeah like our bond like sometimes I think like would there have been room for anybody else like yeah. I was going to ask you that actually yeah I think like would there like like look I'd, I'd like to think that it isn't going to be this way forever I do want to meet somebody and I do want to have more children but I will always be appreciative and like look at these years as like probably the happiest years of my life because it's just been me and Loretta and the joy that you get from a child and especially, the, yeah, those first two years when mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything else but just being with Loretta and life was just simple and stripped back. The joy that comes from that, it's just I'll never, ever probably have those mm-hmm. those yeah. moments again. So I think ultimately the biggest thing is the bond. You know, everybody loves their child. I'm not saying it's any different if you've got... A two-parent family or a single-parent family, like you, obviously you love your child, but the bond I think is just stronger because there's no one else to share it yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. And also as well, like relationships. Look, let's be honest, relationships are hard. Like you know, me and Loretta's dad. I'm, I'm. Yeah, it was unexpected, but of course, all relationships have ups and downs. Yeah. And I think that I didn't have to like have any of that like no. overshadowed. Like everything yeah. was just like beautiful. I don't think like. If I think about the things that my husband and I argue about the most, it is usually decisions around the kids. Exactly. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, we... God, I'm going to struggle with that then when I do have <laughs> well, someone. No, like, I do think, I think, gosh, like, if I could just do it my own way. No, but it is. It, we, there's a clash because you've got two people who've been brought up, you know, in different households. Yeah. yeah. With different traditions. Different, well, not, you know, you think your values are aligned, but there's always things that come up. Yeah. You know, like my son this is last night, came home with scratches all over his face and his neck, right? And I say, oh, God, Axel, like, what happened? And he's like, oh, I was rolling around in the playground and I got scratches on my face, right? Me, I'd go, oh, okay, cool. My husband's like, no, who did this to you? Who did this to you? What's happened? Interrogation. And I'm like, leave him alone, you know? And we have that thing of, I'm one way, he's He's another another. way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we clash on things like that. So... When you don't have that thing... There's only one cook in the kitchen. There's one cook in the kitchen. Yeah. 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 So maybe I am going to struggle with that if I do it. Oh. (laughs) Next time, because I've never, ever... Yeah, it's always been me and my choices. Um, I feel like it's so annoying because we've only got seven minutes left. Oh, my gosh, I love this chat. to talk. Can we do a part two? Yes. 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 (laughs) Please, 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 before we say goodbye, we have to talk about your beautiful new book, Mummy and Me. Talk to us. I've actually got it. Okay. So, yes. So, I started writing this book when I was pregnant. As I said, I was so, like, lost and lonely. And I think, yeah, I just needed, like, a little bit of a distraction. I needed to chuck myself into a project. I love being busy anyway. So, um yeah the book the book was an idea that came about because I found that I was doing all this research into you know single parent families and trying to get things 
in order so that Loretta felt represented at home. So I was ordering children's books and I just felt like I wasn't finding anything that was a book that represented single parent families in just like a magical story. Everything was quite informative and aimed more at older children. So that's where the idea came about. Um, And because I just felt like there was just a bit of a niche, you know, there's so many single parent families. There's, I think it's like 15% of the UK is single parent families. The majority of them are mums. And I just feel like it's just underrepresented in books. Um, And I just think that I just wanted, yeah, all children to just feel like single-parent family children to be represented, but not just for single-parent families, but all families to see different family setups and not in a way that's like, this is mum, this is dad, mum lives in this. It's just like, it's basically a magical story about a mum and her child um, and like adventure, which is what me and Loretta always live our life by. You know, I always, my saying that I live by is um, the greatest gift you could have ever given her is a lifetime full of adventures. So it's just a magical adventure about a family that happens to be a single parent family. Um, So everyone go and buy it. I love that. Go and buy it. (laughs) when, When is it out? The book is out now. Yay, that's so exciting. <laughs> yes. so it's out. You can go, go and buy it. Go, go and, and buy get your hands it. on it. Yeah, and it's just been, it's been like a four and a half year long process, but it's been like a proper passion project. Are you proud of yourself? I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm so proud of myself because I feel like, yeah, like this will be so magical for children, but also as well, it's just celebrating single mums. I can't wait for like loads of, I've got, I've done like a, a dear reader sort of page at the beginning and it's just like a little message to all my single mums out there because I think that you do become a little bit of a community so the books for the children but it's also just to celebrate single mums because they're the rock stars Um, Lydia we always love to ask our guests um, about their favourite products so are there any that you sort of obviously the book is one yes okay so I wrote these down because I felt like I had to really think about these top student right so the first product is Sophie the Giraffe oh Oh my gosh, we went through so many of them and I tried so many other teething toys, but nothing compared. Um, We went through so many because she'd always chuck it out of the pram. Um, But yeah, Sophie the Draft for when Loretta was teething. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Aiden and Anais, muslin. Muslin. Yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, amazing. And we still have muslins now and Loretta's like three and a half, but she still goes to sleep with them as a comfort. So does Kit. Does he? And he's five, going to be six. Soon. Yeah. He's like, Where's my blankie? I'm like, oh, I know. Loretta's That's still has a really good nerves. tip as so well cute. to have those as your yeah. comforter because you can have loads of them. Whereas if you get like, I don't know, we've got an elephant. Yeah. It, if you lose that, you're literally bugged. Yeah. 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 And I always just felt that those were really soft. They always wash up well. Um, then I thought um, Mugo Cream. Ooh, but yeah. Mugo in itself, I just felt like that was a brand that I really relied on heavily when Loretta was newborn because it's like all natural and mm-hmm. I was all about that. Um, and even now, though, I still use like all their stuff. Jules Air Stroller. Oh, is that a good one? Oh my gosh, brilliant because it you can just fold it up really quickly. Um, you can take it on the plane and yeah, I just felt like it was. Do you really still use it for travel still now? I still yeah. use it now. Yeah. Loretta's really lazy. She hates walking. <laughs> she <laughs> loves no, getting no, no, to no. she'll run around, but if I make her like walk to a shop or hates it. Doesn't Listen, it's it. easier sometimes as well. Yeah. Like I still take buggies on holiday. Um, and then the last uh, one was um, the Aldi Mamia nappies. Always use them. And oh, I'm, brilliant! I'm still using nappies as well. Yeah. I'm still not out of the. She still wheezes at night time. I'm not, and really? I've got a seven year old and a four year old. Oh, okay. 
Okay, because I always think, I'm like, oh my gosh, is she late? No, a lot God, of my no. friends. They do it at different stages. Yeah, Don't worry about anyone else. Yeah, child. I like, really wouldn't. And yeah. I think a lot of people like to tell you that they're at, like when they're out of them, but not many people will tell you when they're yeah. not. Okay, well, my so. child's still in nappies <laughs> and she's four very soon. So, yeah, and I just found that those, they were always the best ones and they're really cheap as well because like, I'm four years in and I'm still buying nappies. <laughs> so I need to save the many. And George, advice? Yeah, I feel like you've given so yeah. much advice on these podcasts, but I guess what would be your one piece of advice maybe to, um, uh, you know, a mum who's, maybe facing being a single parent now and pregnant or they've just become a single parent, what would you say to them? I would probably say, yeah, for mums that are, you know, facing single parenthood, I just think sometimes it's... it. I think that the thought of it is so much more daunting than it actually mm. is. And I think that... You know, it's that whole, like I said, like letting go of like this like fairy tale setup that you thought that you were going to have and your life being thrown off course. And that's daunting. But actually, if even if I could have done it the other way, I am so grateful. I believe I honestly hand on my heart believe that being a single mum was my destiny. And mm. I do not think that I would be happier than I am now had I have done it in a two-parent family. So I just think, you know, just accept and see the magic in it because there's so much joy that comes from being a single parent and let go of that fairy tale. Do you know what I mean? I think that we we aren't all meant to live our life the same way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's acceptance and enjoying what life, your new, your new, your new sort of set up. Yeah, exactly. That was beautiful. Yeah. Really, like, yeah, amazing. What a beautiful oh, sign off to the yeah. podcast, oh. Lydia. What an absolute treat to sit down with you. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. What a bloody legend, oh, Lydia. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, guys. What well, I mean, I was yeah. howling. Actually, it's some, so some of that. funny. Like her sister <laughs> shaving her before she went into labour. I mean, that uh, the vision just cracks me up. Absolutely cracks me up. I, I don't know. have a sister, but I, you know, would you would you let your sister do that? Hundred <laughs> percent. No, I, th- I literally thought you were going to go. Would you do that for me? And the answer is no. Um, but I love the way she talks about her Towie days as well. That was really interesting. I know. Like a bit of an insight, and then all of those beautiful moments moments that she shared about Loretta and how it was just the two of them and the fact that you know you know she puts her to bed every night and then sort of creeps out slides out the bed creeps you know just like real real stuff that we're all doing but yeah I I think it's beautiful that she's opening up and talking about her parenting journey now because I know for a while you know she wasn't ready to discuss it all Um, and and obviously since we recorded that podcast her book Mummy and Me number one seller now she's a number one selling author yeah it is amazing and also it goes to show just how needed a book like that is um, for anyone Mm. actually anyone you don't have to be a single parent to buy that book because it's just good for your kids to like just read about all families that come in all different shapes and sizes don't yeah. they Luna loves it Luna, it's her favourite it's her fa- Luna's favourite book Oh, she so read it sweet. she keeps reading it to us I sent a clip I sent a video of Luna reading the book to Lydia and she was like my heart's breaking oh. thank you so much for this and I was like it's her new favourite book so yeah everyone needs to go out and buy it but it seems that everyone already has yeah. so well done Yay. Lids <laughs> uh, and thank you so much for listening to today's podcast as always we'd love you to rate review subscribe and please give our podcast a little listen yeah and if you've got any guests you'd like to hear from or feedback on this episode then please do drop us a DM we are on at Made by Mamas we'll be back on Friday 
Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 